Hey, what's up? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Museroom. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else that is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Katie. I'm so glad to be back. This week on the podcast, we have Arbella Kappas. She is a friend of mine that I met through Instagram, of course. We had been following each other for a while and finally decided to reach out to each other and get coffee. So we ended up meeting for coffee at Foyer in Ohio City. And if you are from Cleveland, you probably know what foyer is, but if you haven't been yet, it's a dream. The best place to just go and hang out for a few hours and work or meet someone to chat. But anyway, we met up at foyer and we talked for about two hours or so. I could have continued to talk to her for about four more, but I had to get going. But about an hour into the conversation, I thought, hmm, she would be a really good guest to have on the podcast. And that's not what my intention was going into the hangout. I just really related to her and I wanted to share her voice. So here we are. In our conversation, Arbella tells us all about what has been inspiring her, which is my favorite thing to ask my guests, and she also tells us about her experience growing up in Lithuania. She was there from second to fifth grade and then moved back to the States right when she was going into middle school, so she tells us what that was like. We talk about how she got into journalism, what it's like working as a freelancer, how she keeps digital burnout at bay, representation in media, and so much more. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So let's get into it. Stick around until the end. I will be sharing about some cool projects that I'm working on and I'll be sharing a listener review. Until then, enjoy my conversation with Arbella. Yeah. Chatted. It was great. Yeah. And I've been, uh, I discovered your podcast probably, when did I, uh, it was probably like a couple months ago. Um, I don't know how, but I was just looking around and then somebody else shared it and I was like, this is such a cool podcast. And I was like, this is right out of Cleveland. And I was like, so excited. So yeah so it's, i'm really excited about this i'm very flattered honestly i'm very honored and excited because i've really enjoyed a lot of the episodes that you've talked to a lot of cool people that you've talked to yeah thank you i'm so glad you found it mm-hmm. and that we got connected yeah yeah so i always like starting out by asking about what has been inspiring you because i just i love talking to creative mm-hmm. people and about their journeys and what fuels them so mm-hmm. what has fueled you to continue on your journey um right now i mean as basic as this sounds honestly a lot of the things i'm consuming 
through social media and the internet have been inspiring me. Um, I am maybe a little bit of a social media addict, but I try to use it as much like to the in a good mindful way, and that's kind of been my goal, especially for the new year. Um, I've just been like following a lot of like new accounts, like photography accounts, and like um, you know people kind of talking about really cool stuff and on Instagram and then on Twitter I've just been like finding really cool articles lately that have been really inspiring me to kind of push the boundaries of my own writing mm-hmm. and then just some of the books I've been reading lately I just finished um, Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney which is a fiction novel that I loved so much I don't know what exactly it was about I might like write a blog post about it just to put it all like I just really liked it and it really like inspired me to write again like Mm -hmm. just really get into writing the kind of stories I want to write and and then I'm in the middle of Abby Jacobson's memoir which I also like I just like those kind of coming of age stories that make me feel like wow I can do that too (laughs) so yeah those kind of kind of just like consuming a lot of media lately that's really been inspiring me Mm -hmm. so yeah I love that so you said that the one book inspired you to really write the kinds of stories that you want to write so what kinds of stories are those so um I've been dabbling. This is, like, very, like, just, like, I'm thinking about this, Mm -hmm. like, in the last couple months. I thought about a couple years ago, too, but I've been dabbling with the idea in my head of maybe starting a novel, um, but it would obviously take, like, a long time. Um, I want to eventually write a a memoir for sure um, or a collection of essays or something like that because that's more, like, in my domain, kind of talking about, like, my personal life and, like, reality but a novel would be literally writing like a made-up story but kind of maybe pulling it from my life um so after reading conversations with friends I like what I'll say what I'll just say is like I just felt very seen through Mm. that story so I just felt like you know I could write something like that too and I could it just really inspired me because it's from like a young woman's perspective and it was like very interesting so and then the memoir that I'm reading as well and a couple I also read a really good memoir um this past summer by Ariel Livey that's called uh the rules don't apply Mm -hmm. and that really inspired me like to eventually like write a book so um and since I'm a more in the journalism field which is mostly about me interviewing someone else or me covering an event or me kind of covering something that's very I don't know how to explain it like just you know, I go and I cover this and it's mm-hmm. done. Um, this kind of like inspiration to kind of be more creative with my writing yeah. has only come out like really recently and I've been more, um, I don't know, more brave with it. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to definitely get into your writing process, but let's go back to the beginning. So you were born in Lithuania, right? Uh, no, actually. Oh. No, it's fine. Everybody mixes that up because I, I know I told you last time okay. we talked that um, I, I live there. So... I was born actually in DC uh, because my dad he worked he was a colonel for the US Army and at the same at that time he was I think um, not a colonel yet but he was working at the Pentagon Um, so it just sort of worked out he met my mom in Lithuania and they ended up moving back here and they basically decided we'll live kind of a little bit here a little bit there because he really loves Cleveland but he also wanted my mom to like be able to, you know, be close to her family and for us, you know, me and my sister to experience, like, living in Lithuania, too, and, Mm -hmm. like, learning the language and stuff. So I was born in D.C., and then I don't have any memory of that, really. So, like, a couple years later, like, moved to Cleveland, and then around second grade, I moved to Lithuania. So, and then I was there from, like, second grade 
to fifth grade. Wow. That's the best way I could do because like their grade system's a little different. So I was technically going to first grade again there. But mm -hmm. um, so then fifth grade, I moved back here and went to Lakewood Middle School, Lakewood High School. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the rough timeline. So yeah. it wasn't exactly, but I, I grew up in Lithuania, I could say, because throughout elementary school, kindergarten. Yeah, second through fifth grade is a pretty yeah. valuable Yeah, time, so my I whole childhood, essentially, until I was then, you know, a preteen middle yeah. school. What was that like? Um, so I always tell people it wasn't like, it was definitely, it was, it was a culture shock a little bit, which was interesting because we visited Lithuania even when I was like kind of little, even my earliest memories, but when we actually lived there and I had to go to school there and I had to, you know, make friends there, it's kind of a different culture there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not really in a bad way. Uh, it's just kind of the way people socialize is a little different. I was very used to, because I feel like in America, everybody's very like out there mm -hmm. with like, hi hello how are you kind of, yeah they're very expressive and there's a lot of like niceties that come with like the way we interact in lithuania and i think it's like a trend across europe and eastern europe people are a little more a little more calm more mellow a little more they just come off more cold a little yeah. bit and i've said this to friends my friends there and it, it, they don't find it offensive they just were like yeah i mean that's just how we and when I went back to visit years later, I was like, oh, this is fine. I just need to like, but as a kid, right. it was a culture shock. Yeah, so as a kid, did you think that just everyone hated you? Or yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> Short answer, yes. Um, I was kind of low-key bullied, sort of, in the way that kind of I just, you know, people ignored me. They didn't, yeah. and it was partly kind of um, jealousy and kind of like confusion because the kids were kind of looking at me like, this is this weirdo from America, but she still speaks fluent Lithuanian. Like, what is that about? Right. Like, and they were learning English there, like mm -hmm. as a second language. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even have to go to those classes. I got to skip. That's cool. <laughs> so it was just, um, it was weird to kind of interact, but I did, you know, have like a couple friends and they're, I, they're still very dear to me to this day. Um, but other than that, it, it is, it is quite different there. It is much more rural. It is, um, like, uh, just, it's just different and there's like uh, the traditions are different you know um the food is a little different um but overall it's a very it is a warm country and i really you know love my family there so much there's a really interesting history you know which i won't go into but the, the, like the <laughs> we country can read about it yeah yeah so, like and so it's just you know it was very interesting and i'm very thankful that i got to live there because yeah. my you know I'm, I really am because I got to really experience like living in another place and learning the language. That was like the biggest yeah. gift that I was able to That's so valuable. get from that. Mm -hmm. Such a gift at that age. It's yeah. So cool. Yeah. So what would, what was it like moving back to America when you were about to go to middle school and things yeah. were changing? Was that a weird transition? Yeah. Well, it, it was weird because, um, I was waiting for the day of us to move back. I was like counting down the days. Like, oh, cause so you wanted to I, move back? Yes, I wanted to move back so bad. And as a kid, because you just have these like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're a kid, you're just like very like, you know, you very much think like, if this happens, everything will be okay. And, you know, so I wasn't feeling too happy with everything. Um, so, and I miss my best friends a lot. Like my best friends since childhood are from Cleveland. So mm -hmm. I really miss them. And I just really miss being in America. Even as a kid, I understood like, you know, I just kind of get along better there. Mm -hmm. So once I got there, it was, 
kind of another reverse reverse like culture shock because I it wasn't you know everything I expected middle school was like also very hard I did make friends but I also like wasn't used to like I I had to like readjust but I also was expecting everything to be okay um I adjusted decently though it was fine it was just you know it took a little bit of time and plus I um my grades were all mixed up because the grade system in Lithuania was different. So I was behind a year. I was technically supposed to like graduate right. like earlier, like everything was set back a little bit. So that kind of like set me off a little bit and annoyed me because I felt like I was like a little older than everybody yeah. in my grade, which is not even that much, it's like a year. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a weird transition. Definitely like, you know, especially thinking about it now, like transitioning back during middle school when you're a preteen like that's when so much so many transitions like with your body and relationships are happening so were you still close with the friends that you had before you moved to Lithuania yeah like it was easy like you it thankfully remaking friends yeah it was but uh the the because they're my childhood friends Mm -hmm. um but the only thing was they didn't live anywhere near me they lived like near Garfield Heights so they grew up like a half hour away so it was like this weird you know adjustment I had to deal with as a kid where I was like hmm well we're in back in the same country in the same city technically but I still can't really see them yeah so that was also kind of and I was you know a kid I was like can drive right. so you know it was kind of hard in that sense so I did kind of have to make friends again in America and I was already kind of thinking like well what do I have to do exactly to like make friends do I have to act like more this or more that so it was like there was definitely some adjustments there yeah. but I I got into the groove eventually, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think now, how old are you? 23. 23. <laughs> I'm to think about that. <laughs> um, at 23, do you th- how do you think that whole experience shaped you as a person? I think a whole lot. I mean, it made me value my friends more. It made me value... I guess it, it made me the kind of person who does want to travel, um, if that's like if that makes sense, because I just you know a lot of my future goals involve kind of like you know leaving cleveland and like going to the next you know city or country i just feel that because i just looking back on it i mean despite the struggles and you know that i had as a kid it was a really amazing experience to kind of have these two cultures coinciding in my life so it kind of made me want to yearn for that more and think like okay i want to explore more of the world i want to explore that and then it just made me also just but at the same time it also kind of made me appreciate the the moment i'm in and like the present yeah um so because like i was missing my friends for so many years and i was like oh i should have like really like enjoyed Mm -hmm. their time and not taking it for granted so when i got back i was really like taking in every time like i got to see Mm -hmm. them and now vice versa when i go back to visit lithuania i really try to take it in because i know you know present yeah be present so yeah, it, it shaped me a lot, for sure. Yeah, I think definitely. so. <laughs> so you moved back in fifth grade, and then mm-hmm. you went to Lakewood Middle School, right? Yeah, uh, Garfield Middle School, but it was one of the, whatever, the middle schools there. And then I went okay. to, to Lakewood High School, and then uh, went to CSU. So that was, like, the only college I applied for. Um, it was partly because of our finances. Uh, my dad was, like, very honest, kind of, like, you know we really only can afford to because he was very like strict about like you know not being in debt like and he didn't want me to be in college debt and I didn't really understand what that was or wasn't at that point so I was just like okay I guess I'll just go to Cleveland State so 
but it ended up being really like the best decision mm-hmm. because it was just four years of really kind of getting to know what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be in a very safe environment yeah. where I was still able to like lean on my parents right. a little bit and be in a place I was like um, familiar yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I went to Clemens Day for four years yeah. after that. And what did you major in? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I, at first, I, like the first year, I completely like didn't know what I was doing. Like I completely was... Um, it was just like a weird freshman year where I was like dating this guy and I just like wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't like joining any extracurriculars. I was just kind of doing the electives and doing the classes and going through the motions. I didn't really have even a major declared until my second year. I just settled for like sociology, which I did enjoy. And I liked, I've always liked, you know, you know, behaviors of people and kind of how we we interact in society so I thought that was kind of a cool thing but then when was this yeah my sophomore year was when I joined the college magazine Mm -hmm. the vindicator because the summer before my second year I started thinking about journalism and I don't know where really the idea came from um but it kind of like I knew I wanted to write I started really liking started kind of writing in my Tumblr a little yeah. bit here and there so but I was like how can I make this into like a field and then you know I started kind of really paying attention to the news more I used to hate the news like my dad used to like sit me down and like be like you have to watch the news you have to watch the news you have nice. to stay up to date and I hated it because it was like half the time it was really depressing and boring but then over time like especially my second year I started really caring about the issues around me and I was like starting to see how like you know, different issues can connect with like different topics. And I was like, okay, I think I want to do this. So my second year I joined the magazine. Um, and my first story was about my trip to Lithuania because the summer before I went to Lithuania and I wrote about travel and that same first issue, I also got, um, the cover story. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really big shock to me because I was like, it was like, I had no, I wasn't a journalism major at the time. I was like, I had no interviewing experience I just saw this story that I wanted to write about this person I wanted to interview and I just pitched it like in out of nowhere and they're like yeah do it and then like a couple weeks later they're like oh we want that to be on the cover so (laughs) yeah and it was you know to this day I'm trying to still like summon that like random like confidence I just had to like just go into that room take the leap and yeah exactly with like no experience under my belt and that's really what inspired me and then ended up like writing an article per issue every every issue um, for that whole year. Then I help, started helping with editing. And then my junior and senior year of Cleveland State, I was uh, editor-in-chief mm-hmm. of the Vindicator magazine, which is the That's college awesome. magazine. So, and then by then I, I started, yeah, I declared my major as journalism. I then paired it with women's studies, made the social major a minor, and it just like really all fit into place yeah. towards the end. So I first kind of figured out what I wanted to do almost by accident sort of, and then I kind of was like, okay, let's just like, yeah. just do the major because cool. it just matches with yeah. it. I want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, when absolutely. Did, were you writing in high school at all? Like when did mm-hmm. writing as a hobby before it became something you actually wanted to do, when did that enter your life? Um, so that's a good question. <laughs> I don't, so for sure in high school like by uh, already in middle school and early high school i my favorite 
class was always English. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Ev- yeah. <laughs> every time they had, like, free writing essays or, like, you know, write a poem or something, I just really liked it. Um, and then eventually the way I started kind of slowly putting my writing or my words out there is ooh, I got a Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just kind of a very low-key thing. It was mainly just like, I don't know if you ever had a Tumblr, but it's basically... I did, but I never actually like wrote anything it, on it. I just yeah. repinned or whatever. Yeah, and I for a while that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I started kind of just because on Tumblr there was just like so much things. There was like photography yeah. and all kinds of things. And I started reading a lot of like either short excerpts from books that people were posting or blog posts that people were posting or like these and I don't even know if this like I can't remember the specific person I was following but I just remember once like reading a quote online and just like I think I literally like printed it out and put it on my wall because I just connected with it so much I can't even remember what it was specifically and I remember thinking to myself this is super cheesy but I remember thinking to myself I want to one day write something that's that good that's gonna like resonate with someone in whatever way that you know means. I slowly started to write kind of like just random like prose you know Mm -hmm. here and there like things like throwing stuff out there. I know there's like this thing with Tumblr where it's like you could do like a read more (laughs) so it's like kind of so it was like a very Tumblr really helped me with like kind of transitioning kind of into okay I can start putting things out there and um so yeah and that was like early high school and it was kind of just like more, more like an online diary. And I, I and I did keep diaries as a kid a lot, mm-hmm. actually. So I think that definitely played in. Do you still journal or have a diary yes. or anything like that? Yes. Um, I think I haven't been journaling as much as I want to. But it's so, like, I started again um, at the end of last year. And it's so helpful. It's so mm-hmm. helpful to just kind of open a diary and just, like, free write. Because yeah. for a while I was kind of, like, trying to, like, be like, well, what should I journal about? Well, should I organize it in this way? But I've learned that. If I just open it and I just start writing my thoughts. Stream of consciousness. Yeah. yeah. I get like the best ideas. So ha- have you heard of the book um The Artist Way by no. Julia Cameron? No. You should check it out. Yeah. She has this thing called morning pages and mm. every morning you wake up and just stream of consciousness, write whatever comes to your mind for yeah. three pages. I heard the morning is a really good time because mm-hmm. you're almost like in a dreamlike state still. Yeah. It's so- just like skimming the scum off of mm. your brain, sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll, remind me to write that down mm-hmm. after we're done. Totally. I want to check that out. Yeah, I was in a habit early, like early 2018. I was mm-hmm. in a good habit of doing that every day, and mm-hmm. I just totally let it fall, fall away. It's hard. It's you, hard, yeah. Keeping habits. Mm-hmm. Healthy habits, yeah. yeah. And then you get stuck in the bad ones. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I'm trying to, like, undo a lot of those, too, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you were... You decided you wanted to go with journalism. Yeah. And yeah. you were on the school magazine, mm-hmm. and then you graduated. What did you have? What were your intentions before you were graduating? Were, were you? Did you? Um, what, your, what were your plans? So I had no like. Conc- what were my plans? <laughs> um, so it, I knew that. I, I was pretty realistic with myself. I knew that like my plans were no matter what plan I made, it's not gonna go exactly as I thought. Right. So my junior year, I interned at Cleveland Magazine, and I interned there for two semesters, um, and that was the experience that really put me to the test <laughs> because it was like I wasn't always writing about what I cared about. Yeah. I was doing sometimes very, very monotonous work but it really really taught me a lot it taught me to be thorough Mm -hmm. it taught me to be 
detail orient oriented because like naturally as a person i'm really not that <laughs> detail oriented i really don't Same. fit a journalist <laughs> archetype like i'm very scatterbrained mm-hmm. um i'm very opinionated but uh, that internship really helped me hone in on those like important skills you have to have so that's by the end of that i thought okay i'm okay with like doing this for a living mm-hmm. but i realized soon that there are many shapes and forms that that can take um you know I could either, uh, for a while I was set on magazine writing. I was thinking, you know, I worked at the college magazine, I interned at a magazine, I even then later actually worked at a magazine. My final year, I worked at Substream, which is a music magazine, um, for like a little while. Um, I was like, magazine, magazine, like that's my way to go. And I'm still kind of in that mindset, but after graduation, I was kind of forced to start thinking a little bit more outside the box kind of thinking about okay well what are some other skills I need to kind of attain to kind of not only make myself a little more competitive in the field but also just kind of learn more about myself and like what I want to really be doing um so I started kind of like um you know playing around with like more like social media marketing like figuring out like you know what can I learn in that realm um video photo all of that stuff um but ultimately I still kind of wanted to, I knew I wanted to work for either a site, um, a publication, uh, maybe a newspaper, a magazine that kind of, you know, talks about interesting things. Like, you know, I, I was, I'm still interested in writing essentially about anything or any, everything, but like, I guess the main topic that kind of encompasses all of it is just culture. I just Mm -hmm. really like writing about, you know, whether it's you know different cultures like within our society like people or it's literally like you know you know technology culture and stuff like that so that's kind of what i've been enjoying lately but i I do want to eventually move to new york or move to like a bigger city but i kind of knew that wasn't going to happen right away so my goal my mindset right towards the end of graduation i was like i'm going to be a freelancer i'm just going to try and get as many opportunities as I can, whether it's writing or editing or even social media work, um, like, you know, anywhere I can mm-hmm. uh, while still in the comfort of my and own just home. keep collecting <laughs> skills. Yeah, just keep collecting skills and just keep getting experience, um, building my clip page and still kind of, you know, writing about the things I want to write. That was kind of what I intended to do. And... I'm, I guess, sort of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, it definitely wasn't completely off. <laughs> so during college, you, you were, you probably had a pretty rigid schedule. And now as a freelancer, it's, a, it kind of ebbs and flows a bit. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. So, I mean, for any person in college, you know, obviously it's just very, it's like a set routine. Yeah. You know, you, you go to class and it's, it's also set goals. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, you want to get a, you want to get an A or you want to get a B. You know, you need to pass this test. You need to do this. It was very like kind of clear goals in front of me, and I like that because I was able to like follow the steps and and get it all done. Once I graduated, and I there were really no jobs that I wanted to apply for in media. There were none really available, like full time jobs, mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to work at like a coffee shop or a restaurant unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. So I um you know, was like, okay, I'll be a freelancer. And yes, the, you know, being a freelancer basically means you have to pitch yourself out to people or you have to wait for people to find you and assign things to you. But either way, you're kind of doing it either on your own time or it's kind of, um, 
like you know one week you have a bunch of stuff going on and the next week it's like a complete lull yeah um and I do have anxiety and so it kind of gets to be a lot because I go in between kind of like anxious and sort of depressive states Mm -hmm. with that so it's been kind of a struggle kind of matching that up not that I didn't have extreme anxiety during college but it was kind of different so how do you deal with that um so I'm still pretty new to it Mm -hmm. but the way I've been honestly just implementing your own routine you know I've been trying to do that implementing my own routine and it's very daunting even to think about like okay what what is my routine gonna be um because sometimes every day is different um because I do freelance work for Cleveland Magazine and they send me assignments and I do those from home but then sometimes like today I went into the office um and that started at 9 a.m and I have to drive there so it's like as much as possible I just you know put everything in my trusty calendar in my google calendar and mm-hmm. my planner um keep everything planned and then on those like lull weeks you know where I just kind of have an open you know week I just try to like plan things out as much as I can and the hard thing is is learning to sometimes say no maybe to like social events and even though if if you don't really have to be anywhere for a job but you know that you have to be carving out the time right to work on this piece or work on like make the calls that Mm -hmm. you need to make um so it's been so keeping as much of a consistent routine as i can what's been working for me lately is just baby steps so i just try to have a very clear and simple morning routine a very clear and simple evening routine i still don't have it completely down but i i've learned that each kind of affects the other what does that look like so for me tea has helped a lot Mm -hmm. i was just telling my friend today um i drink green tea every morning and then if i sometimes like have a little bit more coffee um if i need it that day and then in the evening i drink chamomile tea to help put me to sleep because i've been having a little bit trouble sleeping from anxiety or just like thinking about everything i have to do you know because sometimes when you have those really open days in the next day like it's daunting. It's yeah. like, I have to do so much. I have all this time. I have to do all of oh this. Oh my gosh, me too. And it <laughs> yeah. kind of makes me just like not do anything. Yeah, And just exactly. sleep until noon. <laughs> exactly. You just are put in, you like regress almost. Yeah. So having just a simple morning routine, I'm trying to implement meditation. I, I still haven't figured out, again, it's trial and error for yeah, everybody. Definitely. I haven't figured out if meditation works better for me in the morning or the evening. Right now, the evening, I'm kind of doing it more. Um, do you use an app or do you... Uh... Yeah. I use... Um, I used to use Calm. I used to use Headspace, but I those like only have like free trials that ran out. Yeah. So right now, I actually use Aura, mm-hmm. A-U-R-A. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. They're, it's actually really good because they have just like quick like 10, 13 minute like meditations um, that you just unlock per day. And sometimes you have, you can unlock more than two, but then you be like, can pay for more, but cool. it's been working really well for me. They're very simple. And I do like one guided meditation. And then sometimes if I'm feeling up for it, I like try to do my own mm-hmm. just like with playing music. Um, so having like a good wind down routine has been like really helping. And I'm trying to kind of get myself to wake up at a decent hour on the days that I don't have to be somewhere early like whether it's for an interview or for you know uh, an office work thing so you know so I'm trying to figure out like okay on these days like I can still let myself sleep in a little bit but I should still like start the day Mm -hmm. before nine yeah and it's good that you have that one thing that you know you're gonna do and yeah 
even though if you don't do it, it's not like, I mean, you don't want to like punish yourself for not doing your yeah. morning routine. Cause that can yeah. happen too. If you have yeah. like this whole list, okay, I'm going to journal, I'm going to meditate. Yeah. I'm going to drink my green juice and then that's what I've been struggling <laughs> with. Cause then thinking about the routine makes me even more stressed right. out. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm not. The only yeah, person. definitely. But to have that one simple thing to do and yes. just like be able to, okay, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do that. And that will set me up for the whole day. And honestly, drinking tea has been that one consistent thing. I don't yeah. know why. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just been really helping. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm kind of working through it still. It's like it's mm-hmm. a it's a process, but I have been freelancing since since June. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it's been kind of a lot of trial and error, but I've been I've been enjoying it overall. Yeah. I haven't completely gone. Um, gone crazy (laughs) yeah so it can be a little bit unreliable but also Mm -hmm. really give you it gives you freedom yes yeah um and that's really what I like um because there have been times where I just you know I mean if a job pops up like obviously I'll apply for it but I kind of am sort of picky about what kind of job I want um maybe I don't have like the the right to be I guess because I'm like you know struggling millennial and all that with like you know not much money but you know i i do want to be doing what i want to do um and i feel like i'm good at it it's taking me a really long time to admit that i'm good at it and that i can be compensated and paid for it so i don't want i don't want to give up so soon so obviously if a job pops up i want to you know apply for it but with freelancing it does give me more freedom to kind of think, okay, I'm doing this right now. I'm kind of like making my own schedule almost because I can always say no to assignments. That's also kind of a thing that you don't really have if you have a full-time job. Right. You, you know, you can't you really say no. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, but in a way, I have obviously taken every assignment because, you, you know. want to build your skills. I want to build my skills and I want to, you know, save up money and all that. Um, so, yeah, it gives you more freedom and... I kept thinking, I'm like, you know, it's a struggle. You know, I, I need to save money more. I can't, you know, I need to budget more if I want to keep doing this. But as long as it's like I get consistent jobs and I am also getting better at pitching to other publications. Because right now I'm basically only freelancing for Cleveland Magazine and then doing social media work for Black Valve Media. And then, like, I wrote, I wrote one piece for Pressure Life Magazine mm-hmm. and I'm still um, working on stuff with them. Um, so, you know, it's not like a million magazines that I'm working for, but, you know, I'm still trying to still get to the, you know, I, and I have pitched a lot of places outside of Cleveland too, but so it's going to be like a building process. Yeah. So I know I'm only at like, I'm kind of still at the beginning of right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of freedom because I've always been the type who kind of wants to kind of do a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is good, but also when we're, yeah. What's your sign? Taurus. Taurus. Okay. <laughs> I was yeah. just curious because mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces and everyone says that Pisces are a lot like that really? too. Really? Like oh. just all over the place, creative. So I'm sure Taurus has that. I yeah. don't know anything about astrology, but <laughs> I'm interested in it. I, yeah, I'm in the process of learning more about it too. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, you're not talking to an expert, but I, I'm fascinated <laughs> mm-hmm. about it. Cool. Yeah, so what motivates you to keep reaching out to publications and to keep pitching stories? I mean, ultimately because it's just – it's just something I really like to do, and it's something I really just see myself doing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of spooky astrology things, sorry, this is kind of a side note. Oh, it's okay. But <laughs> my when I, last a couple years ago when I went to Lithuania, my mom took me to like 
basically a witch. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So so and that's an, another actually interesting thing about Lithuania. They they have very strong pagan roots. So there's still people that very much believe mm. in very much like natural remedies and all that kind of stuff. It, so she took me to this. She she wasn't like she didn't call herself a witch, but she was like a doctor, mm. like air quoting. But like she was used kind of spiritual healing and kind of could read auras so um and i was kind of this was like years ago before i really started getting interested in this stuff so i was very skeptical and the woman one of the things she did she did a lot of things but one of the things she did she told me to like think about the thing that i wanted to do in my life Mm -hmm. and said you know okay think about it and then i'm gonna touch your hand and i'm gonna tell you if that's right for you or not and so I thought, and this was when I was already um, like interested in journalism and getting serious. But I was already in the Vindicator and everything. But I, you know, she read it. She read my aura or my energy or whatever. And she said, it's not the right thing for me. Really? Mm-hmm. And then I thought I wanted to study international relations and possibly be a translator. Mm-hmm. Like get better at my Russian and maybe work in like with the UN or something, which would be really cool, honestly. But um, I thought about that and she's just like... No, that's not right for you either. Interesting. And um, then I thought about being a teacher, which is something I completely don't want to do. It's just mm-hmm. maybe something down the line I want to yeah. do, like as a professor. And she said, oh, that's for you. So, yeah, it was very strange. And I don't know if it was because I was being skeptical of her that it kind of, if, if whatever she was doing is real, mm-hmm. was like kind of bouncing off weird that made me a little doubtful of what I wanted yeah. to do but then I was like you know what no like I I really do know in my gut that this is like what I want to do I like I like the field of journalism because you know and writing in general is because there are opportunities I mean the field is struggling a lot you know lately but it's still such an important part of it's like all culture <laughs> and it's you know like I mean journalists are the gatekeeper. As I was learning about that in college, I really did resonate with that. And I thought like, this is a really important job. And this is something that I could do that would fuel my creativity, but I could also do good for other people. Because mm. it really inspired me to hear all these, all these stories of like, journalists that uncovered like, really crazy stuff and ended up making an impact. Um, I mean, even here in Cleveland, some of the reporting that reporters have done for the plain deal- dealer to do with like, led recently like it's kind of in influencing you know things that really that really pushes me i think mm-hmm. because i but also i want to do maybe like kind of more creative journalism yeah. possibly work for like a fashion magazine um because i'm really like fashion too but as we've seen you know places like teen vogue and cosmo can also talk about politics and feminism and all that and that also really inspired me because i thought for a long time i thought oh you know if i'm gonna be taken seriously I need to only work for the Washington Post or the New York Times, which would be awesome too, obviously. But, you know, I thought there's nothing wrong with like... Right, there's not only one route. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, a lot of the things that women's magazines are doing is really amazing work. So it really excites me that, you know, whenever I feel like doubtful of myself and I need like to motivate myself, yeah. I just think, you know, there are so many directions I can take. Like there are so many like different publications, um, different mediums, you know, audio, video, whatever that I can kind of, you know, teach myself or kind of eventually learn um, that I can kind of find my path and like find my footing because no matter what, as long as I'm working in some kind of media, 
some kind of writing and some kind of journalism, I'll be like, I'll be happy. I'll mm-hmm. be happy with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, so you were talking about digital burnout when we got coffee the yes. other day. <laughs> um, for those who aren't quite clear about what that means, can you delve into that a little bit? Ooh, I might send you the article if you want to put it in the notes. Oh, I um, mm-hmm. It's so it was. It got released a couple weeks ago, or no, it was maybe a month ago. So it was it was done by like a European study that basically said that people who work in digital media or digital journalism of some sort are extremely burnt out. They get so tired out from doing work in the digital sphere because it's so overstimulating because, well, let's just use me as an example. Oftentimes when I'm like, you know, just you know, having a day kind of where I need a job search slash work on an assignment. I have probably like 20 million tabs open. I'm like checking Twitter, checking the stories. And a lot of times on Twitter, I also find like, you know, job opportunities and people to connect with. Then I'm scrolling, you know, Instagram kind of just, I guess that's not really job related, but also then scrolling like a million other things, checking on the news, working on my assignments, transcribing an interview, and then doing this and that and this. So it's kind of like, this burnout of like, cause as a person in the media, you have to kind of keep up with the media and the main mm-hmm. way you consume, we consume any kind of media is online. Yeah. So you get burnt out very easily. And then there's another article that somebody wrote for Buzzfeed news recently that was um, about how millennials are sp- specifically very burnt out. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of people, cause more and more millennials are freelancing and more and more journalists are being forced to freelance um so that's there's like a lot of overlap with that and it it's something that i i did not expect that when i graduated Mm -hmm. um i knew it would be tough i knew it'd be tough to find a job but i didn't even know like what kind of struggles there would be to kind of go into freelancing and they really don't teach you about that because but, but you know i don't blame them because the media you know is like the media industry is just evolving so fast that you know oftentimes professors don't know how to keep up or what to teach or what to do even newsrooms themselves are kind of like you know what do we do and it but it is true that a lot of like publications a lot of you know sites are slowly kind of mainly taking freelancers Hmm. so i always i was never really prepared for that i was never really prepared of how to pitch a story via email like i was only taught like how to pitch a story when i'm in person in a meeting so how did you figure that out i'm still figuring it out so i what helped was um i i connected with people online um that really helped um that you know kind of connecting with people finding people like just following i just i can't even tell you how i connected with some of the people that have really helped me um and this one girl who's a journalist, she she's based out of Arizona, and she um, told me about this online community that's for like specifically for freelancers. And most of them are based out of New York City, but it helped. It's been helping me so much. It's like through Patreon. I just pay like a couple dollars oh, cool. a month, and I just kind of am able to kind of you know be a part of like chat rooms and like read about people's insights and you know like read kind of. Uh, pitch templates you know of how to literally pitch a story mm. um and it's weird because it's like it is sort of different for each publication and so what that database that i'm part of has really helped me realize is that you know 
there's different kind of standards for each one. So you just really need to get to know the publication or the place that you're pitching to and just kind of cater yeah. to that. Um, but I'm still learning. I mean, sometimes I, I feel like publications prefer if you're just like quick about it and you get to the point. But others, maybe you kind of almost have to show off like how what your writing style is mm -hmm. in the pitch email. Yeah. Um, and I've sent quite a few in the past however months, many months. And um, I got a couple responses, mostly rejections, but they kind of like helped me, you know, like learn like, okay, I need to adjust this for the next one. I need to adjust this for the next one. It's, it's been hard with that. And it is something that I'm completely just self-teaching myself. That's so crazy that they don't teach that in college. Yeah. I mean, and hopefully that will change and yeah. evolve. I'm hoping that'll change. And I'm hoping they'll start teaching a little more about the industry because there's like just so much like news about the journalism industry that I just didn't know about yeah. until I started like following specific people on Twitter and um, following specific people on like that da database where I just kind of l learned like, okay, so, you know, this is what unionizing <laughs> means. This is what, you know, this is the publications that are doing, that are unionized and aren't, you know, this is, these are kind of the trends of like where, you know, the industry is going. Um, and I mean, obviously it's going severely, you know, completely digital and to mm -hmm. video and all that stuff. And so were most of yeah. your professors in college, what were they of an older demographic? Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah. And you know, what they were teaching was still very useful. Definitely valuable. It was, it was like, it was just kind of the standard journalism basics mm -hmm. and having those foundations really, really helped. And I just built yeah. up on it. The main format that they taught was um, newspaper style writing. Yeah. And even though, and I told this to one of my professors before I graduated, I said, even though I'm, the newspaper writing is not the number one like dream job in my head, it's for, and um, that I want to go into a more like creative like magazine writing field or editing uh, position, um, this was still very helpful. But yeah, it, it, they, they were of older demographic, but they were still trying to kind of keep up with, yeah. as things were developing. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a multimedia journalism class. And we, taught how, we learned how to like make videos and even, I think, do a podcast a couple times. So there were opportunities. And what I'll say about you know the program there, if you were someone who just really cared about what you wanted to do and you just really were determined and you really cared about the journalism, like being in that field you would be fine mm -hmm. like you just need to kind of make those opportunities for yourself I think that's how a lot of yeah college majors are like even with mine what my dance program at CCM like a lot of people were like this is pointless like we're not getting anything like they're but it's it what was, you make of yeah, it. yeah exactly it's mm -hmm. what you make of it and that's why the number one thing that like one of the main things that really taught me the most was working for my um for the college magazine, mm -hmm. but then also learning the foundations in class and then creating our own little, you know, projects, you know, during class. We, we did have a lot of freedom. That's the good thing about this field. And that's what I liked about it. It's like you kind of did have a certain amount of freedom, even <laughs> within the program, mm -hmm. as long as you knew the foundations. And I think they knew, like, you know, no matter what they teach, things are still going to be changing rapidly. So, yeah. So there was a lot of things I had to self-teach myself, but I almost kind of I'm happy with that, you know? Yeah. One of my goals is really to kind of teach it for other people, like what I'm slowly learning, kind of like the reality of like, you know, there really aren't jobs and there's no reason to be pessimistic about it because like, you know, the media industry does have very little jobs. And I mean, I will even say for Cleveland, like there's not a lot of opportunities, but 
I learned eventually that there's that's no reason to really give up or completely just mm-hmm. be pessimistic about it um and that you can still kind of find your own voice right. and kind of create your own things especially with the internet okay yes <laughs> in the episode that i published today with Catlin tigua we were talking about how the internet is just so mm-hmm. valuable and it's such a gift because like you don't need to really go to college to do a lot of things anymore like I have a podcast. I didn't go to journalism school or anything. Like, you can really create your own career with the internet. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's why I wanted to start my own blog because while I was doing my Cleveland Magazine internship, I thought to myself, like, well, I really like what I'm doing with journalism, but I know that in the future, mainly what I'm going to be working on is stories about other people, kind of stories about not always, they're not going to be my first choice usually. Mm -hmm. So I figured, I thought, you know, I really want to create a blog and my goal with this blog is eventually down the line somehow some way I wanted to turn it into like an online site or mm-hmm. some kind of online uh storytelling you know magazine venue whatever yeah thing. yeah a publication and, you know and um and so it's slowly started you know kind of like building like the you know stepping stones or whatever for that so but with the internet like really it's the limitations there's no limitations it really isn't and like i said you know i joined that community online community i've learned so much just from that um so maybe we should we should link to that online community just in case um if people want to join if there's people that are kind of going through what you're going through it's called study hall study and it's um you just have to pay like a certain amount like it's literally between two and twelve dollars depending on how much Mm -hmm. like access you get to certain things and if you're someone who wants to freelance, um, it's mainly for writers and editors. Um, like if you want to, f- you know, do any kind of freelancing in the journalism field, um, and it's a really great resource. Um, and then through that, you also kind of find people to follow on Twitter. A lot of journalists like have Twitters in, in order to like report on stories and stuff. So the main way I've kind of like found a lot of like people to connect with is through Twitter and mm-hmm. just like just people in the media industry in general, like filmmakers and people who started their own businesses that's been really helping me but you know as we said it also kind of has its downfalls when you create like a burnout Mm -hmm. but that's why I just kind of try to use it to to help me instead Mm -hmm. of yeah so how do you kind of keep that digital burnout at bay um as simple as it sounds I mean I just try to avoid like mindless scrolling um (laughs) that's kind of the when I get kind of really stuck in, um, and you know, with all the algorithms and everything, you never, like, a lot of times you're seeing things that you really don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically whenever I catch myself just mindlessly scrolling, I just tell myself, is this serving you? Is this helping you in, in any way? Because um, sure, sometimes we even just go on social media, not necessarily for like work things, like, it, or to you know further our careers Mm -hmm. sometimes we just want to be inspired and look at pictures or a funny meme like there's no (laughs) that's totally fine and like but I you know your body and I feel like at a certain point you can feel your brain saying like no like this is starting to feel Mm -hmm. like like something scratching inside your brain (laughs) um so I kind of just have learned to recognize that I have a similar relationship with uh binge watching tv shows which I've recently started to kind of um, go cold turkey yeah. kind of um and f- 
force myself because sometimes you just get so I just get so tired you know from like working or like overstimulated from things I'm just like okay I just need to like scroll mindlessly or watch a show mindlessly so I've just learned to kind of put limits it's mm-hmm. just and it gets better with time but once you find the positive things like on social media you learn to differentiate it you're like okay I'd rather be seeing this I'm not seeing the things I want to see I'm not seeing the stories I want to see or the pictures I want to see um a lot of it also um and that's another goal of mine for 2019 is to mute and unfollow a lot of people Mm -hmm. um or mainly unfollow because there's like random accounts that I follow from like when I started my Twitter when I started my (laughs) Instagram um and it just gets it overclutters your feed and it overclutters your mind however you want exactly serve you exactly and for a while I was thinking like oh well I don't know like I want to see all of this or you know this random person I was friends with in middle school will be mad if I follow her, but you kind of just have Probably to learn to... Probably won't even notice. <laughs> literally, like, you just have to cut the cord and just kind of, you know, declutter your, your feed. Um, so there's a certain kind of um, therapy when it goes comes with, like, social media where it's, like, you just have to set some ground rules for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm slowly getting better at that. So Yeah, that was a good life hack, just simply asking yourself mm-hmm. if it's serving you. Yeah, like is this is this really is mm-hmm. this something that's kind of helping me or entertaining me yeah. in a meaningful way? It's kind of like the Maria Kondo um yes. tidying up like does <laughs> this, this profile spark joy? <laughs> exactly. It, that's the same concept and it's a very simple and true concept, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your writing process a little bit. Mm-hmm. So do you have any specific practices or techniques that help you to hone your skills and just become a better writer? Um, so a lot of times it depends on what I'm writing. So if I'm writing like, you know, something that's based on an interview, you know, like I'm doing an interview with a person, it's like a profile or something. Um, the interview comes first. I have to like first do obviously like research about the person and I usually just let whatever comes from the interview inspire me. Like, and oftentimes while I'm transcribing the interview, I like get inspired for what to write for the lead or the mm. first sentence. Um, so that's kind of the process for that. It's a, it, for more journalistic writing, my process is usually very like formulaic. It's like, okay, first I do the interview or first I do the research, but you know, I still like to have a style to my writing as much as I can, even if it's like a simple assignment for, yeah. <clears throat> for like a you know Cleveland magazine or something. So I've been trying to just kind of like be as creative as possible, and a lot of times it means stepping away from the laptop and stepping away from whatever you're working on. Um, I had this problem throughout college, and you know whilst you know writing for my college magazine, where I just completely, you know burnt myself out by kind of just like forcing myself to stare at my you know the draft that I'm working on and I ended up writing not my best work that I ended up not liking as much so I've learned to kind of just like sometimes step away Mm. then when I'm doing more like a personal piece whether it's for my blog or it's like a personal essay that kind of takes a little bit more emotional work in a way like I have to kind of I do a lot of free writing for that first that's why journaling helps Mm. a lot I even have an online diary or not online like a digital diary on um it's like through some app I I think it's like called Evernote um because sometimes I I'm too lazy to even write but I have this idea so I Mm. force myself to just like write it it, just write it down um and uh and my process overall is just kind of 
is a little disorganized. Um, I, I do like outlining, but I tend to go a little bit backwards. I tend to like free write for a while and then just kind of outline it after, kind of like put it into pieces, um, whatever I'm thinking about. And unless it's like a very like set piece and the editor has told me like exactly what they want, where they want, um, I kind of just let it flow and mm. it's been working out pretty well. I would like to get a little bit more organized with it, but overall that's been working out for me. My main problem is procrastination. <laughs> just putting it off until the last minute. Yeah. Do you think that is fear coming yeah. in a little bit? Yeah, because I, I still get a lot of doubts about mm. my writing. I still yeah. get a lot of like, this sounds stupid, this doesn't sound right, I didn't do this right, but you know, putting it off is just gonna make it worse because you know, Obviously, if you start something earlier and there is a problem, you can fix it early. Mm -hmm. So, and I've been proved by myself time and time again that if I just simply do something a little bit earlier, it will be so much better in the long run. Mm -hmm. How do you think your writing has changed since when you first started writing? Hmm. Oh my God, I've never thought about that actually. It's gotten more put together I guess um I sort of have more of a uh style to it and kind of a structure to it. it's more structured mm. um because when I wrote that first cover story for the Vindicator um it was a very good story it was a very interesting story I love the interview I did with it but it kind of uh I didn't put too much of my like creative creativity and for a while I was kind of like going back and forth like when I was in journalism school it's like well how much creativity am I allowed to put in like a journalistic story but then eventually by the end of and my last story for the vindicator for my college magazine was kind of a a mix between a personal essay and and like reporting mm -hmm. so I did have interviews from other people but the whole story was kind of framed by my own experience um so the way it's different, I've just kind of, I guess I've gotten a little braver with kind of like, these are the kind of stories I want to talk about. I wanted to have kind of like some kind of opinion to it, you know, and I've kind of gotten more confident with mm -hmm. it. It's, it's still growing. Even with the smallest stories that I sometimes get assigned to, I still get kind of like, you know, that fear and that kind of like, even fear of calling, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm a very anxious person. Like I get scared to call people. Like yeah. even today I was like supposed to call and like set up interviews. Um, and I did for a couple, but for some reason that kind of like building it up, I'm still kind of working right. on it compared to, but compared to like years ago, like, you know, I'm much more, it's become more routine mm -hmm. and you know, practice makes perfect with it. So I feel like I'm more overall more confident yeah. than I, than mm -hmm. I used to be. I want to touch on interviewing quickly. I wasn't expecting to talk about that, but oh, yeah, no yeah. what's your process for researching for mm -hmm. interviews? Like, do you, are interviews scary for you? Um, it really depends. Like with, with a lot of Cleveland Magazine stories, I do a lot of over the phone interviews because mm -hmm. they're usually short, shorter stories, usually featuring like um, you know, a restaurant or some kind yeah. of event or um, uh, something like that. Uh, but even through the phone, like you kind of have to build a rapport with the person. Um, and I learned that through practice when working at my college magazine. It's like the biggest thing I can be thankful for. And even um, in, through my class assignments is just you need to kind of like not overthink it. And one thing that one of my editors during my internship taught me is that 
it's almost kind of sometimes good to only have a couple questions and then just let it flow. But it depends, again. If you're like looking for very specific things, if I'm looking for very specific things for a story, um, I'll probably write out more questions. But for example, um, for Pressure Life, I interviewed a uh, army veteran and I it was a very vulnerable mm. interview. Like I basically had to ask him like, what happened to you? Because right. it the whole story was about his experience with PTSD and how he like created a, a project from it. So for that interview, I like met him at a coffee shop and it was like a three hour interview and we just talked and I had maybe three questions down um, that I really, well, I had actually more written down, but I only asked like the three. So with those kind that are more vulnerable and that are more kind of like story based kind of like I'm writing this person's story, um, you kind of like less is more kind of um, Mm. that I've learned. Um, I do prefer to talk in person for some reason, um, but then overall, a lot of times, over the phone is more um, convenient. Yeah, yeah, I get that. From the few remote interviews I've d- done, I haven't had video with them, so mm-hmm. I was just doing it like over mm-hmm. this call recorder on mm-hmm. my computer, and it just felt weird. Like and it didn't feel like you were connecting. Exactly. Like right now we have like eye contact yeah. or whatever. And it's it's hard because sometimes you feel like you're interrupting people. And that's where my kind of anxiety comes from. Like even like um, sometimes like it literally just gives me anxiety to call like the doctor sometimes mm-hmm. to make an appointment. Because, you know, uh, phone calls can be very like you have to have a certain r- different rapport with that. Um, so what usually relaxes me is just researching the person a little bit, researching the topic really quick, not writing out a script because I've tried that and it kind of messes me up even more, but kind of just like, I I literally do this really weird thing where I just kind of like put it up to my ear and I just like mouth what I'm gonna say. Mm. If I'm feeling like really nervous and just really psyched out, I literally do that, did it today, nobody saw me, but (laughs) you just have to kind of like mouth it out. Okay, let's do it. Let's just Mm -hmm. like, so, and then just like talk to the person, you know, and sometimes they're not gonna be um, reciprocating the same energy as you, like, cause you know, sometimes they're going to be not totally thrilled to be talking to you um you know but you kind of have to just make them feel comfortable and start with like tiny questions and Mm -hmm. just see where it goes yeah that's really helpful because I kind Mm -hmm. of asked that selfishly for my own oh no yeah (laughs) learning just because I'm still learning how to be a better interviewer so that was all really helpful yep and the the more you do it the the better it gets yeah Um, but yeah that's kind of I'm still learning with that Mm -hmm. too yeah the last thing I want to ask you about before we wrap it up, because it's already been over an hour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. um, is let's talk a little bit about representation in media. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about how when you have a platform, it's really important to talk about important issues, and it's important to highlight the voices of women of color, people of color, mm-hmm. LGBTQ communities. Mm-hmm. So how did you come to realize that, and how can we – do a better job at making that happen Mm -hmm. so I first learned that journalism is a very competitive field it's kind of like every person for yourself kind of um and it's also very much especially since like I was saying it's highly freelance based now it's even more so every man for yourself because sometimes you're not even part of a team Mm -hmm. you're literally just like I need to get as many many stories and assignments yeah. as I can because this is how I'm going to survive. 
And I'm not saying that's the main reason, but that's one of the reasons why in journalism we sometimes don't see um, black journalists, um, female journalists, journalists of diff- that are part of marginalized communities, like either, you know, immigrants or, um, you know, trans people, they are not lifted up and they are not writing the stories, the specific stories that are from their point of view. And the other reason is because journalism and the way I was taught in school was completely like, you need to be objective, you need to be ethical, obviously, but you need to just, unless it's an op-ed piece, you can't have an opinion. Mm. I personally think, and my professors did not like this, (laughs) my friend and I, like, who were, you know, she was my managing editor for The Vindicator, um, we were kind of the ones always saying, like, nope, you can kind of inject your, especially in the time we're living in now, you need to be a little bit, you know, just forward, forward, and you need to kind of um, point out oppression and, you know, you know, people suffering from that oppression when you see it. And that's like a journalist job. Um, and the Vindicator obviously, uh, ultimately taught me that because, um, they, the magazine was, you know, there was a couple of newspapers on campus, but we were the kind of odd ones out because we were social justice based. Like we mainly spoke, like wrote about very opinionated issues relating to gun control and reproductive rights and, you know, all kinds of issues like that. Um, and we were often, always pretty much on the on the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got criticisms for that a lot of times. But the reason we were that kind of magazine was because of our roots. So The Vindicator originally was a all-black newspaper. Oh, right, that was, mm-hmm. It was created by the Black Studies Department at Cleveland State. Um, and I always like to bring that up whenever I even really try to whenever I talk about The Vindicator in any way, because it has done a lot for me, but I am a white, you know, woman. (laughs) And um, the way it just happened over time, from the beginning of The Vindicator, it was first a newspaper, and it was specifically, you know, and I ended up interviewing and talking to a lot of people who used to be part of it during those days. And they told me how that magazine was more than just, like, a publication it was literally like a safe space and it was a time it was a place for them to um share stories and kind of like do all of that so um so we tried our best to kind of like bring that out like after it kind of became like a multicultural magazine mm-hmm. um so that really taught me a lot of like the importance of sometimes just you know as much as you can making space for the people who don't have the same rights as you do um and sometimes that just means obviously helping out obviously that means giving people like seeing like and me as a leader um i had to make those calls i had to make sure like hey let's make sure for this story that we're including you know a variety of people hey let's make sure that this piece about an lgbtq issue is written by a lgbtq person Mm -hmm. um let's make sure that there is more diversity in like the staff and a lot of times that means kind of uh not taking up so much space Mm -hmm. and lifting up the other people yeah and listening because their past is different and they're kind of up like everything about their upbringing is kind of different and I'm like 
in I learned that I'm in a much more privileged position mm. and I'm still learning that now and I think it's just like very important that we keep keep that in mind when we are you know reading the news when we are seeing who the news is uh, who is reporting the news to us um, and yeah and ultimately like th that magazine was like a big wake-up call for me because it was again it was like a very important thing to me and it was a very big help like I owe yeah. a lot to it but also I and my biggest goal after I left was to leave it with a staff that was gonna, you know, take care of it well, but also leave it a little more diverse than I than mm. I got there. And that was all of our my whole staff's like goal. And I, you know, so and I'm they're they're doing amazing things right now, and I'm really happy mm -hmm. for it. Um, so, and that's like a big responsibility to take on, even because I know I want to eventually be an editor, um, and that's a really big responsibility to take on to make sure you're you know, not ignoring and not, um, yeah, you're not, yeah. you know, contributing to like further oppression by not including the voices yeah. that need to be heard. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that is something I've been thinking about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you well. for sharing your mm -hmm. thoughts on that. Yeah. So thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's important to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking with me today yeah, is there anything else me. you would like to share any are you excited for anything coming up well i for the february issue of cleveland magazine i actually uh had my first uh pitched essay published which is mm. i'm really excited about because up till now i've had just kind of assigned stories right. for february i wrote a personal essay about my dad mm. who is a cleveland native and he I, it's kind of a little profile on him so um if you guys pick up the february issue please read and let me know what you think because i'm really happy about that because i'm kind of it's the, my first paid piece of a personal essay which is kind of the writing i more, want to go into yeah more. so i'm, I'm looking forward that. to that yeah cool thank anything you anything else to uh, share I think that's where can people it. connect with you um instagram uh which is just the battle of arbella which is also the name of my blog and then my Twitter is Arbella underscore EC. I do a lot of tweeting too. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for joining and yeah, sharing so thank openly. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. I'm so glad that you're here. If you'd like to connect with Arbella, all of the links to do so will be in the show notes. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation. It was a really fun one and I'm so glad that I connected with her. So thank you, Arbella, for joining the podcast. Before I go, I just wanted to talk about the services that I'm offering. I wanted to find a way to make podcasting more accessible to people who are just totally overwhelmed by podcasting. So I'm doing that through podcast coaching and podcast management. For podcast coaching, you can grab a session on my website for only $50 right now. The prices will be going up soon, so I would grab your spot before that happens. In the podcast coaching sessions, we can go over anything from setting up your podcast, brainstorming about what you want your podcast to be, 
Or if you already have a podcast, we can make it better. So I can critique your podcast. I can tell you how to take it to the next level. And for podcast management, it's a little bit more of an investment, but it's really great if you want to have a podcast, but you just don't have time or the energy to edit the podcast, manage it, just all of the work that goes into having a podcast. I want to make it easier for you. If you're interested in either of those packages, you can go to my website, museum.space slash museummedia to find out more. And feel free to email me at museumpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. I can also set up a 15-minute free call if you want to just ask me some questions if you're not quite ready to invest. Another really cool thing about what we're offering is that you can now get custom music for your podcast. If you're listening to the music in this podcast right now, you can get something similar. So this music was produced by Smokeface. He's from Cincinnati. He's a multi-instrumentalist and producer who produces music for under the name of Smokeface, and also he drums for the band Multimagic. So you can commission a completely unique piece of music for your podcast that you wouldn't find on any other royalty-free site. So to do that, you can go to the website, newsroom.space media. You can learn a little bit more about Smokeface, and you can learn about how you can commission your own piece. All right, well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Until then, find me on Instagram at Museroom Podcast. Check out the website, museroom.space, or you can email me at museroompodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week. Stay inspired. Keep working hard. Thank you for listening.